HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. morning you're listening to in the drink on heritageradionetwork.org coming to you live from the shipping container at roberta's in bushwick <laughs> brooklyn i'm your host joe campanelli and today i am extremely excited to have uh someone i really look up to in in this industry um we have carla razuski she's the wine director of just some of my absolute favorite restaurants the the spotted pig the john dory um, the Breslin, and now the new Salvation Taco. Uh, Carla, so excited to have you on the show. So stoked to be here. Thank Good you. morning. Thanks Thank for getting you. up early to come out to Brooklyn. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Also, I should say that uh, Gabe uh, is my business partner. He's the, the chef at, at our restaurants at, at Delanima and, and Lartuzzi and La Picho. Um, he like only goes to the Spotted Pig. Like it's his. It's the only people. People ask him like, "What's your favorite restaurant in the city?" And he'll be like, "I don't know. I either go to the Spotted Pig or I don't go out." It can easily become an obsession. Easily. <laughs> and yeah. I have to say, like, you're doing just such such great work there. I mean, there's so many cool wines on, on the list, and uh, Thank it's you. really exciting. I appreciate that. Thank you. So, tell us a little bit about how how you got into the industry, how you got started. I moved to New York uh, almost 12 years ago to act. I went to NYU for theater, and after I graduated, I decided after a few few years that I didn't want to do it anymore, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was bartending at Blue Water Grill on Union Square at the time, and one of my regulars at the bar was, uh, he worked, he was the editor for um, Forbes Life magazine, and he would cruise into lunch and sit at the bar and have like three glasses of Chablis and have a chopped salad. And I'm like, man, this dude has the life, right? Like, what is he doing that he can cruise in and have a bottle of Chablis at lunch? And I was like, I, I want that. I want that. You know what I mean? This kind of like easygoing lifestyle. Yeah. I talked to I talked to him a bunch and uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do at the time. I was uh, confused about working at restaurants. I'd been working at restaurants for a long, long time. I didn't know if I wanted to be in the restaurant industry or what. Uh, 
at one point I was like, you know, I got to do something. So I had a friend of mine find this guy's number, my regular. And I called him up and I left a message and my heart was pounding. And uh, I was like, uh, hi, this is Carla, your bartender at Blue Water Grill. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he knew my name at the time. So I was like, you know, introduce myself properly. Um, And can you please give me a call back? I, I need help from you. I have a question for you. And he called me back within three minutes and uh, he said, what do you need? And I said, I need, I have some questions. Uh, can I buy you a beer? You know, can we, can we meet up? And he's like, how about I buy you a beer? And I was like, okay. Even better. So, <laughs> even better. Isn't, isn't that absolutely crazy that it in, I mean, if you're in New York and someone has a couple glasses of wine with lunch, you're like, that person is either really cool or yes. total lush. Yeah. But if you're in Europe and you have, and you don't have a glass of wine yeah. with lunch, you're like, are, are you feeling okay? Are you okay? Is everything okay? <laughs> Do you have a little fever? <laughs> but in New York, that's like, that's a really like, oh, what's going on there? They're having the multiple lunch. glasses. But he was having like a business lunch with himself. You know what I mean? It was this fantastic solo mission that he was on and I appreciated it. Okay, so he took you out for a beer. What happened? So we actually went to uh, the Chelsea Wine Vault and he opened a bottle of wine and I, he's like, well, what do you need from me? And I said, I need to know how you got where you are. Um, I want to be there. And he, uh, he's like, well, what do, you, what do you love? What do you want in your life? And I said, I want to eat, drink, and travel well. And he said, okay, pick one of those things and hustle it. He said, you have a certain energy and a certain look, and you have a personality. And you could stand on the corner and sell hats, and you'd be fine. So choose one of those things, school yourself in it, and you'll be just fine. So I started taking wine classes and... Got into it that way. Worked at Blue Water for a while. Jumped over to. How, how did Hearth. you choose wine instead of food or travel? I he actually said he was like take a notebook and walk around the city for two days, three days, and write in the notebook, write down in the notebook anything that catches your eye. And I walked around, and it seemed like this kind of random uh, request from this man I did not know. And I walked around and. Everything that kind of popped up was eating and drinking and mm-hmm. and dining out, and it was fascinating to me. And I think with a lot of people who end up in the industry after uh, having been an actor for a while and studied and been in that world and that community, um, you convince yourself that you don't want to work in restaurants anymore. You know what I mean? It's like it becomes this cliche, and so it's not cool to want to stay in the restaurants. And so it took me a few years uh, to decide that I actually did want to stay. And I actually, it turns out that I'd been working in restaurants for seven years, ten years. You know what I mean? Like it's no coincidence that I was still there. So I think it took a softening of the heart and a kind of um, an ability to shift my mindset from having telling. Like having told myself for years that I was going to act to gently moving my, my focus over to something else entirely. Wow. And so what, what was your first restaurant job that you're like, all right, I'm in this, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. Uh, I, was, I was studying while I was at Blue Water mm-hmm. when I went to Hearth and I saw how they take care of service there and how they take care of guests and the way that the food was handled there. That was the first time where I had... Uh, a large amount of pride in the work that I was doing. Um, there was, it was this fantastic like straightening of the spine to work for Paul and Marco. Um, I love the family there. I definitely consider them. Um, they're my family. I definitely, definitely consider them my family. And then starting to work for April, um, I started as a bartender, worked one day as a bartender, and then Ken uh, bravely <laughs> asked me if, if I would be interested in taking over the wine program, at which at the time the Breslin wasn't open yet, but there was a certain amount of wine in storage. And so I needed to sell through that and mm-hmm. then kind of build up from there. And I learned how to do it real quick. <laughs> and how did you meet Ken in April? 
Um, I a friend of mine was I, I was bartending part time at mm-hmm. Hearth, and I knew that I needed to hustle a bit more. I needed more money. Baby's got school loans, so the, I, NYU. I know I went to I six know. years of NYU. My God, NYU. My is, God, we need to open up four more restaurants yeah. to pay for NYU. NYU is no joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I needed another part time job, and I had a friend who was working at uh, opening the Ace at the time, and he was like, you know, we need a bartender, so come on in. I came in, I trained, worked for one day the Fergus Stock, the first Fergus Stock that we did at the Breslin, um, and then Ken pulled me aside and you know sat me down in a booth and said, I heard you're studying wine. Uh, how would you like to take over the wine program? And it was this moment where I think you have a few doors or windows or portals that open uh in life and you have to be present for it and i think that you have to like launch yourself at it fully Mm -hmm. um i'm a huge believer in if you have the guts to ask for it have the guts to accept it when it comes barreling down the pike yeah i mean you are in the right place at the right time but you put yourself in that place for sure for sure you you earned it you put yourself in that place. i think that it's a lot of luck i think i mean take take that for whatever it's worth that word luck um i believe in in my intent and my my power to ask for something you Mm -hmm. know i think everybody has that power it's just whether you use it or not I have to. I also have to commend you guys just so much around um, all of your efforts around relief for Hurricane Sandy. Oh, it's awesome! Uh, you guys are just amazing. Uh, a couple of friends of mine had uh, uh, put together a, a food truck and yeah. drove it out to the Rockaways um, almost every day. But in order to to staff and, and supply the truck, uh, I don't know how many people know this, but the Breslin was just. Uh, is super crucial to that. All of the food was being stored there. All of the the coordination was coming out of Thank the Breslin. Thank you for mentioning that. I mean, truly, like I'm getting chills thinking about how awesome and how much work your team had to do for that. And I just know space and restaurants is so tight, but you kept you know enough food there to feed 300 additional people every single day. That's just awesome. You guys Thank are you. great. Thank you. Um, it, there's this, working for Chef April, there's this like falling behind in line with her. It's really powerful it, to see it work in the kitchens, and it definitely works that way out in the Rockaways. Like, to, if she chooses something, everyone's like, okay, let's go. We believe you. We, we, we will follow you. You know what I mean? Like, let's go into battle. <laughs> let's do this. We went out, I went out with them once and worked, and it was intense. You know what I mean? But it was this fantastic, um, very very humbling experience and it felt good to do felt really good to do yeah and that's i mean that's okay to feel good you know to feel good it's okay it's It's beyond commendable you know what i mean i highly suggest like get yourself out of the way and go do something for somebody else oh my god it feels good oh my god and the and the 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 need was so so long it's so ongoing uh especially in those those cold months it was just you know ridiculous like yeah, how much like people just didn't have power or anything. And, yeah, and you guys are doing such amazing stuff. So uh, switching gears back to uh, the opening of the Breslin mm-hmm. um, and your and your new role. How did how did that go? You had some wine that you had to go through, but you're like, what what were the wines that you're going to put on the list right from the beginning that you fell oh in love with? Oh my god, um, I had been taking notes for maybe a year and a half or so mm-hmm. while I was studying at Blue Water and at Hearth. Um, we would taste every day at Hearth. Uh, and, you know, it's Paul's wine list, so you're tasting some pretty wacky stuff. Uh, 
and I took, you know, copious notes. I'm a Virgo and I'm pretty anal about that type of thing. So I knew wines that I liked. I knew regions that I was interested in and things that had kind of piqued my interest, my curiosity. And so I, I had no idea how to order wine. No one taught me how to do this. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so it's, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It's been this process of like wandering around in the dark, bumping into things, you know, and humility is an absolute necessity when you're in that situation. Uh, your ego gets bruised real easily. Um, but there's no better way to learn. Um, I asked somebody once, somebody who I admire very much in this industry, uh, to teach me, to mentor me. And he said, no, he said, you need to do it on your own. He said, if you do it on your own, everything that you learn will be yours. And I believe that 100%. And I think my, my movement from when Ken offered me this mm-hmm. position up until now has been that exact thing. You know, I, I, you've spoken in the past about how you like wines that are a little bit more quiet yeah. as opposed to loud <laughs> wines. <laughs> yeah. Has that always been, I guess, and define what you mean by something that's a quiet wine. You know, I think that for me, it's a, it, I'm really glad you brought this up. I have some, <laughs> um, I, there's been this big kind of bloom happening in my life. I am fully in love. I'm like tumbling down a mountain in love with this man currently. And I have felt my heart open up and I have watched my palate follow suit. I've watched my palate want bigger, lusher, richer, kind of like sensual, round, voluptuous wines, you know? And I was talking to a winemaker, uh, Jake from Limerick Lane yesterday. We were tasting, I love those wines, California, you have my heart. And I think that a big reason for that is because my, 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 outlook on life is changing right now based on being in love. I mean, trip on that. You know what I mean? What is happening that your body and your palate and your nose follow suit? It's a magical thing. These bodies we have, they are, they're insane, you know, but I think for a long time I wanted these wines that were quiet. It's the same, it's the same type of wine that like all wine heads want. You know what I mean? You want acid, you want nuance, you want, uh, something that can like whisper to you and kind of like get inside you a bit. Um, but there's something really, really seductive about wines that are not shy either, you know? Um, I don't know. It's something that California, California's been creeping on me. Oh, yeah. Me too. I've been falling in love with, uh, with the wines of California. Yeah, right? I, when we opened up La Picho, I thought we would do maybe I'd struggle and we'd find a third of the list to be uh, from America. And now it's like over half. Yeah. And, it's so and, much fun. And, and it's fun. And, you know... There are so many California wines which are made in this real, real kind of way—a handmade kind of wine—that um, that they are balanced, but it's still from California, so yeah. you still do have pretty it's ripe exciting. fruit, and it's really exciting yeah. stuff. Yeah, there's this. I think uh, we were talking. I was talking to Jake about it yesterday. Um, to to Jake, try to Jake's the man. Jake is the man. Jake's I the man. No, no, no. Jake is not the man. Jake is not the man. Jake was uh, the winemaker I was talking uh, to. Jake's the winemaker. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking to him about his Zins, and I think Zin definitely has my attention. Um, it has the ability to be quite a big girl, you know, but it also has uh, the ability to be in balance, even though it has all of that weight. But in my mind, if the wine has shoulders that are broad and it can carry that alcohol, as long as it's balanced, it can be quite beautiful. And so what are some of your other favorite California wines? Um, Limerick Lane uh, is, is quite, it's, it's got me, it's got me. The 1934 <laughs> Black Zin is amazing. Um, I brought you a wine today, the Lagia Meredith, uh, 2010 Mondus from Mount Viter. We can taste that, and we'll, I'll tell you a yeah, bit about we'll taste that. that in the second segment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There, there are some. I mean, there's some really, really exciting stuff happening out there right now. All right. Well, yeah. that being said, 
let's take a short break and pop open the mandoose and uh, we'll be back and taste it awesome listening to Cheese Gainsbourg by Textile. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast Regional Forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. And we're back on In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and I'm here with Carla Rozuski, and uh, she has brought us a wine. So I'm looking at this bottle, the Lagier Meredith 2010 Mondeuse from Mount Veter, uh Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking this is going to be one of those... You know, those kind of like elegant, light-bodied, nuanced California wines, high mountain fruit, some like obscure European grape. <laughs> and and no, it is uh, it's such a delightful and delicious wine, but it's definitely more in the like uh, broad shoulder, yeah. like yeah. gregarious, happy to love kind of, easy totally. to love kind of totally. wine. I'm Tell us about you. this. I've never had, I've never had uh, Mondeuse you know, outside of France or, uh, or Lagier Meredith either. Okay. So Lagier Meredith, um, on top of Mount Veter, they, it's a husband and wife team. They have one of their, it's like, it's on their little pamphlet that they hand out on their website or whatever. And I love this. It's the two of them. They have no investors. They have no staff. It's just the two of them. Um, they have about four acres of wine, about half of half an acre planted to Mondeuse. This is their second vintage of the wine. Um, Carol Meredith worked for a long time uh, finding parents of grapes. She was working on DNA uh, chains in terms of finding out where certain grapes come from. She was the one who figured out that uh, the original form of Zinfandel was uh, called Tribidrag. 
and it was they she traced it all the way back to th- around 1300 i believe in on the dalmatian coast in croatia so she for a long long time was one of the foremost authorities in the country in terms of finding uh, the parents of grapes and so she they have syrah they're known for doing syrah out there they also have a, a kick-ass rosé um and she thought to herself uh self if syrah is beautiful at the top of mount Vider, uh maybe mondus would be as well mondus is related to syrah um and the way that this wine shows, I was recently there in California and tasted her, uh, tasted with her uh, in her house for lunch. And she's both her and her husband, Steve, are they're just amazing human beings. But um, this wine made me fall in love with tannin for the first time. Uh, the tannins are sexy as hell on this wine. Uh, there's this kind of like peppery, piney thing. Um, I tasted my staff on it and they're like, man, Mount Vitor always tastes a little bit like forest. There's always this kind of like cypressy piney thing that's definitely in the wine all this beautiful perfume which i think is linked to syrah um this there's this kind of sweet peppery thing mm-hmm. but those tannins this like really really kind of fine-grained really fine like, like a lot of tannin but they're so they're, they're pretty so as hell teeny teeny minuscule yeah they're velvety velvet oh yeah i guess so uh the it's really good and it's not really good i, I, know. I am getting like it's the first uh it's actually, believe it or not, the first drink I've had today at 10.22. So I'm definitely... Sally. <laughs> <laughs> I was drinking Auschwitz at 5 a.m. <laughs> but uh, there, I, there definitely is a, a little bit of warmth to the wine. Mm-hmm. There's a little a little burn. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a delicious, mm-hmm. like, that mm-hmm. is... Uh, yeah, just a super, super easy to love wine. Yeah, um, very, very, well, very pretty. Well, one of the things that I love about, uh, about your list... Uh, and this is actually a question I've been I've been wanting to ask you because we share a love in uh, in sherry, mm-hmm. except you are much better at uh, speaking about it, at <laughs> selling it, at everything with sherry. I just love it as well. I admire from afar. Um, how did you first get into sherry? And then uh, tell me how I can sell it at the restaurant because <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's the hustle, baby. It's the hustle. Um, it is. It's it's this gentle pressure. The way to sell it, I think, is this gentle pressure. It's this gentle reminding uh, for me, mm-hmm. gentle reminding with the staff constantly kind of re... I was just thinking this the other day. I was like, man, my I've seen sherry sales kind of like get a little... Every time I do a class with them and we taste with the food, there's this burst of them being super excited about selling the wines. Um, and so you just have to kind of gently remind not only the staff, but you have to do it the same thing for tables as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain... If you get an in at a table and you're talking to them and they kind of become curious or they've heard about sherry, but and they've heard that the the lists uh, have a, you know we have a bunch of sherry by the glass and yeah and your lists are known for for having yeah. lots of sherry so you make that statement you say we're a place we're for a destination sure. you can come for find it. this yeah we have yeah. you know thirteen fourteen open by the glass and so the doing flights I think yeah. I'm a huge believer in comparative tasting so bringing tastes over and walking them through and saying okay this is what you're looking for here. Did you? I mean, the way that I got a lot of people into Amaro was giving it away. Like, was, yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I ho- yep. Hopefully, like half of these people maybe might order it again. Yeah, that's kind of the. Idea. It's been it's been a, a kind of an amazing journey. Uh, from I'll tell you where wh- how I kind of got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but up until now, from when I started selling it and being kind of in love with it, and you know, talking about it a lot. Um, up until now, people in general uh, are much more curious and much more open to it than they were even a year and a half ago. Um, Peter Liam is the man. He's he's the dude. Um, 
I was talking to Rosemary Gray, who's friends with Peter, and and she was working for uh, she was working for a distributor at the time. And she was like, "Hey, do you want to do a, a wine dinner with Peter Liam?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah, I want to do wine dinner with Peter <laughs> Liam." I don't know him, but I know of him, and hell yeah. So, uh, I, I she's like, "Well, do you want to do sherry or champagne?" And I was like, "Oh God, <laughs> I know nothing about sherry, and there's no better way to learn than to launch yourself into the unknown." Wow, right? To- for a small to turn down a champagne dinner with Peter Liam, straight for sure. Dude, brave, <laughs> Carla, you have cojones grandes. That's Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It didn't even occur to me until right now that I gave that up. <laughs> I was like, you know what? How am I going to sell tickets for Peter Liam's share dinner? Let's do that. You know, like, I didn't, didn't even occur to me. The curiosity, I think, engendering curiosity is massive for, for myself, for my staff, for everybody around me. It's very, very important. Um, I think it leads to growth ultimately. And if you don't do that, then you're stagnant somewhere. You have to be searching for something constantly. So we started to taste through these wines and he gave me this kind of like, you know, stumbling through the dark course, uh, for me at least, in terms of, okay, let's do this. Like, let's learn about these things. You know what I mean? I fell in love with the wines. Um, I went down to the region for the first time, maybe a year and a half ago, and tasting uh, through the bodegas was profound for me. That was the thing that kind of like took my heart and opened it. And it's, you know... Would you believe the first winery that I've ever visited, where I actually went through and, and uh, you know, saw the, the production, was in Sherry? Me too. I mean, <laughs> a year and a half ago? I, I've, I've traveled to the region three times. Yeah. I haven't traveled a lot for wine at all. I've just begun. Wow. Yeah. And this was at a time I was studying abroad in, uh, in Madrid. It was between my freshman and sophomore year at NYU, and I did like a summer abroad. And uh, I had this like Michelin travel guide and they would like rate cities based on, you know, they, it'd be like, oh, this is a two star city with a mission recommendation. And so like, oh, I better go check that place out. And they, <laughs> it said like Hareth was like a two, you know, like a whatever good city to go visit. And I was going down even further south. And I went and it was, it was, I forget if it was a holiday or a Sunday or something and everything. Any excuse, I feel like, in Spain to, to close shit down. They'll oh, yeah. Do, they're like, Sweet, oh, my God. We, can, <laughs> we don't have to work today. Done. Done. <laughs> Half day. But the, the bodegas were open. Yeah. And so I went to visit a couple of bodegas, uh-huh. which was really, really cool and really interesting, except that I hated all of the wines. No! And I, I realized that, like... Shut your mouth. <laughs> I know. It's only years later that that I fell in love with, you know, with Sherry, and I kicked myself for not having the taste yeah. the first time. I also think that I went to, like, probably, like, the Tio Pepe's of the world, mm-hmm. you know? Those were probably the ones that were easiest for me to, to go visit. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they're the most available to... People who aren't being, yeah. you know, hooked up by Peter Liam with, yeah. <laughs> with the directors of what's whatever, whatever. So, yeah, tell us what it's like to go visit a great small sherry bodega. Um, I'm going to bounce back to an idea real quick in terms yeah. of educating about sherry. And I think this uh, links in with what you're saying. The wine's being a little bit maybe inaccessible the first time you went there. Um, I think that I talk about this a lot with my staff and with tables. Um, 
you have to reimagine uh, how you view the wines. They are not like other wines, and they cannot be held to the same standards as other wines in the sense that the alcohol is the same. Or it, I mean, they're fortified wines. They're oxidized, some of them. They live under floor. And so they are totally different. It's like when you're learning about sake, you have to use a different vocabulary for it. It's not – you can't apply the rules that you think exist about wine to this category. And I love that that forces you to um, get outside your comfort zone. The wines are uh, can be um, – they stand and they like shake your shoulders a bit and they force you to look at them. And I appreciate that in wine. Um, and sometimes it's difficult to introduce that to people. And sometimes if you don't have a gentle introduction to it, mm-hmm. tasting a bodega maybe for the first time can be uh, alarming. <laughs> you know what I mean? It can be like – it's aggressive to the palate if you don't know what's coming your way. Um, visiting there – if you have a love for the wines ahead of time, which I was really thankful to have had, uh, I there's one bodega there. It's one of the bodegas that supplies uh, wine for La Guita. It's called Misericordia. And I that bodega makes me cry when I'm in it. I've been there three times, and every time I can step in, I know the smell of that bodega by heart. And the wines in that in that building, they have a spirit to them. They have this energy to them. I don't know what it is. Call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter. When I'm there, I know it. It is fucking electric up and down my body. Wow. Those wines are insane. They just have this <laughs> age and this grace, and they have this like insane energy. Um, and so for me, tasting those wines uh, is... it's. It goes back to what you're saying before. Sherry is not a quiet wine. <laughs> it is a pretty big, pretty uh, electric wine. And isn't that one of the yet- greatest things about Sherry is that like, there, there are so many wines, especially in this modern age, where there are nuanced differences that make one wine a little bit different from another. But Sherry, there's nothing else like that nothing, anywhere. Nothing. It's, I mean, think it's, of it. It's so singular. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's this amazing region. Based and on it's, tradition. And, it's dwindling. And, and nobody is, like, standing up and cheering for it, aside from Peter Liam and a few others. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, ah, if, what if we lost that? You know? What if, it, what if it became a shadow? You know? Like, it's, I think it's important to stand up for something and say, hey, guys, <laughs> look what's happening over here. You guys are missing out. Come check it out. Come yeah, check it's it like, out. It's like being able to consume consume like a world heritage site it you know? is that's exactly it's like a monument it it's history exactly it and is. you're putting making it part of your body one of the other coolest things i love about cherry is that you're able to um taste a well-aged wine yeah oh my god your average fino is six seven years old yeah and it costs maybe 10 or 15 bucks i know to, you know, <laughs> where else insane. in the world can you readily get <laughs> aged well-aged wines yeah. for like you can get Nothing. some Palo Cortados for 30 bucks for a 35-year-old wine. I mean, think about it. It doesn't happen. It does not happen. And But again, people don't think about it that way. They mm-hmm. think about it and, and they're, those are strong wines. Those are dessert wines, but it's a, they can be used in, in such a variety of ways. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. What other cherries? Uh, let's go really quickly. What's yep. your favorite Manzanilla? <laughs> My favorite Manzanilla, um, my favorite Manzanillas come from the Laguita Bodega. Mm-hmm. Um, some of their Manzanilla and Ramas that are the Equipo Navasos bottles are sick wines. Okay. They're insane. Yes. And do you like do you kind of put Manzanilla and Fino together? Or do you have a different Fino that that you really like? Fino for Fino, it's Innocente for sure. Innocente from Valdespino. Yeah. All right, Without and uh, 
Your favorite, Palo Cortado? Palo Cortado, I would say my favorite would be uh, Barbadillo, Obispo Gascon. Awesome. Yeah. And Amontillado and Oloroso? Amontillado, Oloroso, I would say um, num- uh, the Lustau. Um, mm-hmm. They were bottling for a, a while uh, the Pate de Gaina, and that's also the Palo Cortado that uh, Kipo Navasos has under number 34. That Oloroso is sick. Um and in terms of Amontillado, I've just recently had my Amontillado moment where Amontillado kind of like crept in and took my heart. And it happened in Montilla, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Montilla is the home of Amontillado, according to legend. Uh, and the wines there, because it's all from PX and it's not from Palomino, it's in a different, it's from a different area of Spain. Everybody look up Montilla, Marilas, do your homework. Um, <laughs> Small plug for Montilla. Um, the wines are a little bit fuller bodied. They're not fortified in this case, the, the wine that I was tasting. But they have, sometimes a Montiato can have this kind of like angular quality to it. And coming from PX in Montilla, they, it gets filled out a little bit. And I think the wines from there are fucking stellar. Sweet. So what do you have going on in the uh, next few months? As a restaurant group, um, we are opening Tosca in san francisco so that'll be happening over the next few months right now we're working on uh putting a menu together kind of renovating the kitchen Mm -hmm. getting everything in line for this reopening of a super super classic super traditional bar in san francisco that's fantastic and you'll be flying back and forth actually no actually i'm staying in new york and so they'll have somebody working out in california on that um i'm kind of helping them get the the basics the skeletal structure set up but that's it'll be a totally different deal out there Okay, I like having you here in New York. I like having me here too. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, Carla, thank you so much. Oh, Uh, my pleasure. It's been, it's always such a pleasure to to chat with you. Um, And uh, thanks all of you for listening. Go visit Carla Drink Sherry at the Breslin at the Spotted Pig, where you'll probably see Gabe and Catherine and me, hopefully. Um, John Dory, Salvation Taco. And then in a few months, uh, say hi to to April and Ken at, at... Tosca. Tosca in San Francisco. Yeah. Cool. And Indeed. thanks all of you for listening. This has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.